Welcome to Women Who Startup Radio, a show about innovative, adventurous female entrepreneurs. I'm Lizelle Van Buren. And I'm Krista Morgan. And today we're talking with Azure Antoinette. She's a self-described storyteller. Who is making magic with words. I wish there was a lot more Azures in the world, let me tell you. I don't what know if gift. there's room for more Azures in the world. I think <laughs> true. I think she might be her own her own special breed of person. That's true. Uh, her own special breed of human. I think she would describe herself as. I adore Azure. I love her energy in a room where she gives you a smile and is also has a sense of seriousness. Like, let's make some magic here. Let's get to work. Why are we all here? Let's do this. She's like a force of nature. I mean, she is such a huge personality, and yet, like, just she walks into a studio, she gives everyone hugs, and starts telling us how much she loves us all, and we're all gorgeous and wonderful. This is so cool. Right do you guys just get to do, do you just bring people in and oh, chat? Yeah. <laughs> if you had no idea what she did, and you listen to her speak for 10 minutes, you would know that she was an artist. You would know that she had some special gift with words. Um, and today, today is really exciting because today we're going to hear her story. You're just going to hear this amazing, amazingly intentional stream of consciousness. My name is Azure Antoinette and uh, I am, I'm a teller. I'm a storyteller. You kind of can't hear Azure's story without also hearing her mom in it. You can tell that, number one, she loves her mom a lot, I think as many of us do. Uh, and number two, her mom is really different to her. And yet there is so much that she has gained you know, from her mother and, you, you know, she can just tell what a huge influence she's had and it's both, it's funny and both frustrating. Picture of her is the Cosby mom and Hillary Clinton as one individual. She wears Ralph Lauren blazers like for casual dress down to pavilions, loafers. Everyone has penny loafers. I'm like, nope, it's just you. You and the people of Coldwater Creek and Chico's. Azure's mom really set a precedence and a foundation for Azure and her sister, Dee. Life is about not sitting around, messing around. It's about understanding the right things. It's about presenting yourself beautifully. It's about hard work and it's about discipline. Our senior pictures were in sweater sets, worst day ever. Mine was like pale mauve and my sister's was like a pale green and we were like, why? are you doing this to us? And she's like, you're classy. She's been telling us we were classy since we were like four. Like who was classy at four? People aren't classy. At a really young age, Jour fell in love with poetry. Poetry came to me when I was very young. My mom raised us in a very academic, very literature structured household. Uh, so I, the first, first poetry book that was mine was uh, Edgar Allan Poe, his collected works, fell madly in love with the Telltale Heart. I had never been so stressed out from words. 
which I thought was super magical. My mom was always talking about uh, the power of the imagination and how you can unlock all of these worlds. And uh, when I read Telltale Heart, it kind of surprised me. So by the time, you know, you get towards the end of the story, you know, where the climax is coming and, you know, he's sitting in his in his living room with the, the, the guys from Scotland Yard and he can hear the heart under the floor and he's yelling at them if they want more tea and sweating and they're like, nah, dog, we're cool. And then he's like, ah, God, and then he rips up the boards and he's like, here's the heart. And they're like, okay, you have to come with us. Or, and I was like, oh, this is so good, mom, because the heart. And she's like, mm-hmm. And so then she tried to kind of shift my energy towards something that was a little less macabre, but that didn't work. It was my senior year, AP English, and um, we got into Romeo and Juliet. I, got, I, was, I was given the opportunity to read the prologue, and I remember feeling so heartbroken just in reading the prologue about these two houses that could never connect and I was already so happy dagger so my life won't be the same food doesn't taste the same I was so her I was so that girl like always slamming my door my mom was like we don't slam doors in the house and I was like yes we do slam come home the next day I don't have a door it's the beauty of her mom saying like I'm gonna teach my children what it means to be a profound human being one day and there's no excuses a slamming of a door? Inexcusable. If I can't teach you to not slam a door, I will remove the door. And there are rules. And there's no television. And if there is television, it's with purpose. It's to learn about history and politics and current events. So we could watch National Geographic as a family and uh, Maria Shriver's special correspondence. So, you know, <laughs> so it's weird. Yeah, she talks about watching a lot of Maria Shriver growing <laughs> up and, and has this amazing memory of the Clinton inauguration and watching Maya Angelou sort of deliver this poem. I had started to hear a little bit about her and Phenomenal Woman had kind of just reappeared for one of the many times, you know, throughout her life that it was pertinent to someone and it kind of hit the mainstream again. And so I memorized Phenomenal Woman for this thing that was happening at our church and uh, I loved it. I I didn't I didn't know how it suited me. I didn't know how it fit me. But on the pulse of morning, I thought was probably the the most beautiful thing I had ever heard. And we always watched the inauguration. So when Bill Clinton was inaugurated, Maya Angelou was uh, the inaugural poet. She performed on the pulse of morning. And what I really remember the most about that was how quiet it was looking out onto all of the audience because this was the first time that I had ever heard poetry just in the way that I had read about it, you know. So it was the first time I had seen someone living do it. And she was transformed, like realized that poetry was this, didn't have to be an academic thing. And I, I listened to the entire poem and I understood it. And what was really beautiful is when she got to that arc at the end where she was coming to the close, I could start to like just feel my body heat up. Like I could just start to really feel what I didn't know at the time was inspired and, and really empowered. For the first time, literally, her body warms up because she feels 
passion and inspiration. And she was like, what is that? I want to go to there again and again. And that sets the premise for the rest of her life. We'd like to thank P2BI for being a Women Who Startup sponsor. Kristen Morgan is the co-founder and CEO of P2B Investor. And in Phoebes, they're a Brooklyn-based ice cream manufacturer. Makes some salted caramel that I would kill someone for. And when she came to us, she was still pretty small. And so we were able to help give her the funding that she needed. It's cool to be able to finance someone from the early days to this next phase, and we will have just been there to help her along her way. We'd like to thank PDBI for being a Women Who Startup Radio sponsor. You can learn more about Krista's company at pdbi.com. So Azure is, you know, one of those kids that excelled profoundly. She was way ahead of the game. I was advanced. I was two years ahead of my grade level, and. Uh, you know, I, I don't think I was all that reachable. I would write poetry, but I would never tell anybody about it. It was very closeted. I loved going to the library, but didn't want anybody to know about it, you know, and uh, I didn't know how you become a poet. You, you don't, I didn't, I didn't know what that was. I didn't know how people did that. So I just didn't know how to do it. I, so I, I kind of just abandoned that. And she graduated high school very early, steps into college, and then focuses on musical theater um, which she loved. I grew up singing my entire life, and, and my mom said that I, I performed before, before I spoke, and that I just went right from, like, scooting on the ground to just walking. She was like, you just got up and just walked, and I was like, totally. So uh, we were performing nonstop. I was singing in this little jazz trio to pay for classes. My mom had decided pretty succinctly that, like, financially she was done because I went against her, um, by pursuing the arts. So I did that for two years. Uh, while I was there, just got super burnt, just all kinds of burnout. Uh, I had just gotten exhausted with all of the practicing. She was tired of performing. It was all this work and she didn't necessarily feel like it was going anywhere. The music I wanted to sing wasn't relevant. You know, Amy Winehouse was in grade school. Adele, I don't know where she was. Like I wanted to do jazz. I wanted to do this singer songwriter thing. and. All the labels were like, no, like hip-hop or R&B and rims and parties. And I was like, I don't, I don't have, I don't know what any of that means. So I just hit, I walked away from it because I was like, I don't know how this is ever going to happen. So my college guidance counselor, whose name I don't even recall, was like, human resources. And I was like, I could be, totally be a human resource. Like, I'm such a resource. And I'm a human. It's perfect, <laughs> which is quite literally how it happened. And she phones her mom and says, I'm switching my major. And her mom gives her a business card holder. He would have thought it was a hallelujah chorus. So we went to Things Remembered. She got me a business card case, engraved my name on it. I didn't have any cards. She's ridiculous. And um, she was like, you've made the right decision. I'm like, uh-huh. Good talk. <laughs> she bought me a plant. Yeah, it's good. But you know what the amazing thing is? is that she could have done anything, and, and, but she went and took a job that was about people and for the people. HR was the most likely thing because I'm, I'm creative, but I'm also very um, uh, literal. So I was like, I like talking to people. Mm -hmm. I like it when they talk to me. 
I like to help them. I like to listen. And so I, I, I was like, all right, well, I, I could probably figure out a way to make that work. started out as an HR intern. I ended up staying there for six and a half, seven years. They brought me into the human resources department. I got a job and I started out uh, as an HR assistant and then I got promoted to a specialist and a generalist. 9-11 happened um, and I was working with uh, the Bureau of Security and Investigative Services, writing, helping to write the guidelines for guard guard possession and the TSA folks and so I was, you know, I was doing all the crazy stuff in the district. We started advertising in the movie theaters. Um, we started putting up job postings like where the previews were in the movies. I got them to agree to let me do it. And uh, we, we started setting up all these uh, job fairs at the colleges and just sitting on the campus and hanging out. And I just was trying to take HR out of the box that it was in. So Azure is succeeding at this job in HR, and she's even finding a way to, you know, get some happiness out of it, but it's not enough. I was always allowed to be a version of myself, but then there were just, there were these spaces where I would be going to work or I would wake up and just burst into tears because I was like, it's, this can't be it. Like my mom said that if you, if you put your mind to it, you know, if you, if you apply yourself that you, you know, like you can change the world and you can do what you want and and I was like, I don't, I don't think I like this. Mm. I don't think I want to do this because I, I, as I had grown in rank, like you start to inherit these problems where, you know, it's very difficult for me to sit at my desk across from people that are just like me that do different things and have different skill sets and say, well, this is just, there's nothing we can do. And I, I had just started to feel, I had started to feel disconnected from what I was so excited about before, which was really being a part of, of changing a cycle and, and changing a stereotype. Yes, she helped people. Yes, in a very creative way, she was maybe changing policy, maybe being a phenomenal resource, but no, she couldn't change the whole system. And I was 23, I think, and had really started to miss performing and had really started to miss you know, the chaos of that, the very, the very beautiful uh, chaos of, of being a performer. We'd like to thank Habitat for being a Women Who Startup Radio sponsor. My name is Brad Todd. I'm the founder and designer of Habitat. I find it's better not to restrict yourself to a certain process and go with the feel and go with the flow of the design and the client and the story and the narrative that you're putting all together. Sometimes a good drawn out process of sketches and mind maps and grids, putting things in golden triangles is appropriate for what I'm doing. Sometimes the feel is I just get ideas and I want to execute on them. I want to create and I just jump to that. We'd like to thank Habitat for being a Women Who Startup Radio sponsor. You can learn more about Habitat at hellohabitat.com. Well, Azure is miserable sitting in traffic and she heads home with her bottle of Sauvignon Blanc and her bugles. So I still did not know how to feed myself. And I'm sitting there half the day on. Like I took off one shoe, kind of took off my shirt, find the TV, turn on the box, and I turn on Deaf Poetry Jam. And there was a poet by the name of Marty McConnell from, uh, from Chicago, maybe Southside. So I, she's talking and I'm just listening to the way that she put the piece together 
and it was just really beautiful and it was evocative and the language had texture. And so she gets to the end of the piece. I'm sitting there literally like all the bugles are turned over on the couch and I'm, you know, I put the box of wine down and, and she says, you know, um, speak or let the maker take back your throat, march or let the creator rescind your feet dream or let your God destroy your good and fertile mind. This is your warning. This is your birthright. Do not let this universe regret you. Do not let this universe regret you. And it changes everything. It was everything that I had been waiting to hear. I don't even remember what happened afterwards, but I got up for work that day, talked myself all the way through rush hour about what if you quit your job? And I put my stuff down on my desk. I walked down to my AVP's office and I just threw the door open and was like, Kathy! And she's sitting down her P&Ls and she's doing budgeting and forecasting. And I was like, I quit. I quit my job. And she's like, okay. And I was like, yeah, I can't do it anymore. The universe is calling me. She's like, all right. And I was like, okay. And I was super amped and like ready to really defend myself. And she's like, yeah, no, honestly, like we don't, none of us know what you're still doing here. And I was like, yeah. And I called my sister D and I said, D. She says, yeah, I was like, I'm going to be a poet. I, I quit. And she was like, cool. Did you call mom? Azure then filled with inspiration, strength, and excitement, dares to pick up the phone, dials her mom, and dares to tell her that she just quit her job. I dial and I'm still like feeling pretty good. And she picks up and she says her first and last name, as she always does, even though she can see that it's me and I definitely know that it's her. And uh, I said, mom, I quit my job. She says, Azure, well, what's the plan? I said, it's just not the universe and you have, you have to listen to it because it's, it calls you and you have to, you have to strap in and, and hold the good fight and get your apples to get them. We have to, cannot be universal regret. And she said, what have you done? Like all like staccato, separated, very strong elocution. And I was like, well, I have decided to be a poet. And uh, as the story goes, the phone line went dead because my mom hung up on me. I packed up my box, got my plant, and I marched out and I was like, guys, universe, charge out to the car. No idea, zero idea what was next. She says, I'm committed to being an artist. I'm blowing through my savings at top speed because I have zero income. I'm going to Starbucks every day because I was like, I'll go to Starbucks because that's where it happens. That's what they say. You go there, the coffee shop with your script. And I didn't have a script because I had one poem when I quit my job, a terrible poem that just repeats itself for four minutes. It is one of the worst things I have ever heard. And uh, nobody, nobody called. And then I ran out of money to be at Starbucks. So then they were like, you cannot be here. And I was like, that seems fair. So I then got a job at a call center and another six call centers. And uh, the people that do the catering where you can bartend or serve food at a cool Hollywood party, I got fired there. I got fired from most of the call centers because I was going to auditions. Because she was just so gung-ho to show up for any opportunity that zoned in on her goal to be a professional poet. Long into the, have I made a mistake, it doesn't matter because my mom will not be right. I found a listing for a teen poet coach. And I was in my early 20s. 
had zero experience as a performance poet. Like I was just like, I'm going to apply. And I took this terrible poem that repeated itself for four minutes. And I went to that audition and killed it. Like the poem, like nailed it. And the director was like, when can you start? I was like, today. And then I found out it was volunteer. So that was awkward. Another year passes. I'm the teen coach for HBO's uh, Brave New Voices, which was a spinoff of Deaf Poetry Jam. So I coached the team in Los Angeles with this this very same job that had now started to pay a little bit and starting to get known in the community. I was commissioned to write a poem for the Tuskegee Airmen who were honored by President Obama right after he was put into office. And uh, it was the first time I had been paid to do poetry. But I, f- over the last couple of years, I had written a few things that were kind of on cue. I've always been very good at listening to somebody's story and then giving that back and writing that back out. So I get a standing ovation. The poem was cool. So Azure goes from unpaid teen poet coach to, you know, to start being a poet. And she gets a little job here, a little job there. So I wrote a poem called Humanity, and we did it at this event benefiting American Cancer Society. And that, that was the big turning point before the actual big break. But this was... This was the beginning to me being a commissioned poet by name. This all works up to Maria Shriver hearing about her, invites her to write a poem. I get a call from my director that Maria Shriver was looking for a poet to speak at the induction of these Minervas, the Minerva Awards in Sacramento, and that could I write a poem. So they gave me the basic parameters. I wrote the poem in a couple hours and... I flew up there, did the poem, finished the piece. Maria Shriver comes up from the audience bawling. And I was like, oh my God, my mom is going to be so mad when she finds out I made Maria Shriver cry. Uh, when I called her and told her I got the gig, she said, she kind of took a deep breath and was like, well, do you have your pearls? And I'm like, okay. And I sure am in that photo with Maria Shriver, pearls and a sweater set. Thanks to Steno for being a Woman Who Startup Radio sponsor. I'm Lindsay Strickler. And I'm Rex Roberts. And we are co-owners of Steno. When we were developing the tagline for Steno, we threw around a bunch of different ideas, but it came back to it, no, it's, it's where you work. Steno, where you work. It's very straightforward, very to the point. Steno, where you work. Thanks to Steno for being a Woman Who Startup Radio sponsor. You can learn more at stenodenver.com. 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 It is, I think no pun intended, poetry, that her big break is with Maria Shriver, who her mother idolizes, and she grew up watching. That's amazing. Just the the way that all came full circle. Like, it was destiny. Azure's destiny was created right there. Maria Shriver comes up to the stage, and she invites me to open the women's conference, which at this point, and I, I say this a lot. She could ask me to sell produce with her on the side of the tent, and I would have been like, I'd love to. So I was like, cool. They're creating a huge benefit event, and they ask her to come down in person and perform her poem for this room of pretty influential people. My mom's like, have you seen what this, have you seen this website? And I was like, no. So I go to the website, and it's like all the people and all the things of all the stuff. Michelle Obama, Oprah Winfrey, Mary J. Blige, Mary J. Blige, Sandra Day Connor. God, 
It's amazing. Just badass women that we all love and respect. And Arnold Schwarzenegger. All the people. And I'm like, oh, wow, sweet. So I'm in my little studio apartment, which definitely is smaller than this studio. But it was a palace because it was mine. And I paid for it with my poems. And uh, I hear a knock on the door. And they were like, you know, uh, uh, is the Jour Antoinette there? And I said, it depends. Are you Sally Mae? And he was like, no. And I was like, yes, I'm she. So they sent me this huge swag bag. And uh, I go down there and there are these two women waiting for me at the front of the hotel, like, Miss Antoinette, Miss Antoinette. And I was like, yes. And they're like, would you like some water? And I was like, okay. You know, and I was like, are those snacks? Can I keep them? You know, like, I mean, it was just, it was surreal. And all she can really think about is how she's got $3 in her bank account. And she doesn't know what's going to happen next. And then everything happens. I could feel it that day. I felt I felt really dropped into who I was. Uh, and I'm looking around and there's just, there's all these lights and all these humongous screens. And, and then I could just, I felt, I felt the entire place just like, I don't, I don't even know how I'm going to pay rent in a week, but like, it was always just for this. And my mom's here. And uh, I put my mom's name in the poem as a, like just an honor to her. And uh, I go backstage, still just trying to kind of get my feet and uh, they're, they're unmiking me and, you know, they're like, you did great, Azure. And here comes all these dudes in these coats and they're talking into their sleeves and they're marching towards me. And I was like, oh, shit, it's Sally Mae. Oh, fuck, she found me. Like, you know, I was really I was real stressed. And out of the throng comes Oprah Winfrey. She's eating this bag of Fritos and she turns around and hands them to Gail King, who's like, thank you. And uh, she grabs me by the shoulders and I'm like. Don't tell her you have three bucks. Don't. She doesn't care. It's fine. And, you know, she's like, thank you, Azure. You were amazing. And I was like, you're welcome, Oprah Winfrey. And she turns me around to Maria Sharp and was like, she's great. Maria's like, don't you love her? And Oprah's like, I love her. And I was like, mm -hmm. After that, the doors just started to open. Things just started to happen. I, I talked to some folks at Kodak. I got signed to a national lecture agency that, like, the next week. Uh, and that began my journey with uh, American Speakers Bureau, which is my international lecture agent. Um, I got written up in the Oprah magazine in April 2010 for National Poetry Month. After that, um, I just was, I was, I was speaking a lot, writing quite a bit. Uh, and then I, uh, I moved to Brooklyn for a teaching residency was subsequently put in the Forbes 2012 Most Powerful Women issue in a special section called Women Helping Girls and was then called the Maya Angelou of the Millennial Generation. After that, I sold a pilot to ABC Family uh, while I was in New York um, called You Should Know This About Me and then was made the one of the global ambassadors um, for Girl Rising. Um, and then I brokered my first partnership with a Fortune 500, which was TD Ameritrade, and got to do some amazing work with them around Girl Rising and just human equity. This whole piece started lecturing, started keynoting, started delivering this talk about, you know, turning what you love into something that's monetizable and really talking about currency and emotional currency. Making money doing what you love is actually possible, Lizelle. Do you know that? Fuck, I knew it! 
like fuck, like my art, I could put that out in the world and I could find a way to monetize that and it does matter and it does change people's lives. I love it. I love the projects. I love the companies I work for. I'm available all the time. I, yes is my favorite word. My team is not always as happy with my eagerness and the yes. But I, we're all, we all have flaws. We all have lanes. And some, some, some are mine. And yes is my lane. I want to Shakespeare love everything. And yes, it's exhausting. But I, I truly believe like that's then, that's where the love is. So it, it, it's less about monetizing the art, but more about really understanding what it is that you provide. It's a beautiful thing because people have started to know that what I bring to the table is unique. And we may both make tables, but this is why yours is great and this is why mine is also great. And it's about that community. It's about really finding those intersections to collaborate with each other and, and, and connect on a way that says we're more than our devices. Azure is a commissioned poet. One of very few in the world. Here's this woman who has made not just a career, but a, she's... She's starting her own movement, really, from this this thing that you would never think someone would make a career of, and it's amazing. Because being a creative is is like breathing to me. Like I I I live there. I live there because that's that's who I actually am. You don't need a degree in being yourself. The thing that I can do at any point in time, no matter what is happening, is tell you a story. At any time, I don't need a master's in that. Azure says. You know, the place where your creativity and your passion comes from is not something that can be taught. But I do really need someone to help me understand profit and loss and, and economics and sustaining and, you know, supply and demand and just fiduciary responsibility. Those are the things that I need to really harness. And so she has some wise words for the next generation and to say, look, go get a degree in something practical like fucking HR, which will help you as you start to follow your passion. But, you know, your, your passion is already there. Like, you don't need to train it. You just need to put it into practice. October, matter of fact, of last year marked the ninth year since I had, you know, made this massive descent, ascent, however, however it's seen. And uh, I am, I am tired is what I innately was feeling that like I had lost my way in some part, not that I wasn't good at my job because I, it had become a muscle almost by rote. When you're like hypersensitive like that and you create and you create and you create and you create and people take and take and take and take and take and now you're becoming a product, right? Insert the punch here, put the feeling here, then we hear and we do it and, and I love it every time I'm dropped in. I just was like, there's got, like I'm back to there's gotta be more. The first 10 years of Azure's career, she is helping companies tell their story through poetry. And then just like what happened with the HR job, she has a moment where she starts to feel like, this isn't enough. I think I can do more. I was offered an opportunity to submit a manuscript to HarperCollins, and I submitted the first one, and what I thought was really interesting from the publisher was that they said, you know, we know 
we know that you can tell other stories, but you're still, you're still not telling us about yourself. And I was like, no, yeah, I mean, I said it here and I said it there, but it was all so manicured. It was all so framed and so cosmetic. I think for entrepreneurs, it can sometimes be really difficult to separate your identity as a person from your identity as an entrepreneur and the work that you do. And here I am doing all this work for amazing corporate clients. And one day someone says, but we never hear your story. And all of a sudden that sparks something and sets her really on, on this new course. This struck me in, in a lot of different ways for, for many reasons. And I think it was just a precursor to unearthing the iceberg of myself. I had been on cue for so many years and you know on brand and on target and then everything just unraveled and it continued to do that for I don't know maybe four or five months and I went through a pretty massive breakup and uh, that kind of sent me into like an emotional downturn. So Azure is heartbroken not sure about herself and faced with the prospect of having to start to write her own story. And so she gets on a train for 3,000 miles and the words start flowing. So I wrote a book um, called Lover and uh, I thought the book was going to end up being this whole uh, tell-all about all of these relationships and all of this heart forlorn and all of this and it ended up about how much I truly didn't love myself and kept trying to find a home in people as opposed to really understanding that like I am enough. I think the hardest thing for us as adults, I know that I struggle with it so severely is the truth, whether it's being told to me or whether I have to tell it. Like you always think like I, that's all I want. And then when somebody gives it to you, like it breaks you in such a way because you were just really hoping Someone else didn't know that. Someone else didn't see that. Now you find Azure kind of on a new course of action, a new road to self-discovery and meaningful work. Since probably late March, things very slowly have been unveiling themselves to just be what they are. And my perspective has shifted in such a way that I, I now love things for what they are versus what I'd like them to be. So that has really changed so much of my energy and, and so much of my heart space. That doesn't take away from my corporate work. I just really want to spend the next five to 10 years teaching masterclasses and helping people get their narrative out, helping people talk their way through it. There's such a catharsis in understanding what it is versus always trying to find the purpose or the meaning. Just identify it for what's happening, just being present. You are who you are. Yeah. Whether you are a great developer or a great artist or you love music or you're a sound engineer. Whatever is yours will always be yours. So you're not late for anything. You're on time for absolutely everything because what is for you is never a missed opportunity. It's always yours. There's no one that's going to come and take that because if they took it, it was theirs. So that has helped me really settle my spirit into not freaking out that like I didn't take the call and I didn't get the thing and what if I missed it because if it belongs to me it's always mine this was always what I was supposed to do I was always supposed to tell the story exactly this way 
Bajor is running towards her truth. This feels like the part in the movie where it just gets good. And I take each, like, dawn and sun-kissed moon, like, all the things, like, they're just, they're just good. It's just good. And there's still a whole mess of things that I don't understand, but I know I don't want to waste a second of my time on the earth not feeling connected. I just want to drop into being present as much as possible and, and harnessing empathy and, and really, really making sure that kindness stays at the forefront of who I am. Thanks so much for listening to Women Who Startup Radio. We'd like to thank our team, our sponsors, Peta the Investor and Steno Coworking Space, our producer, Aaron Bassidy, and our engineer and co-producer, Allison Wrights. At Women Who Startup Radio, we're writing women back into history by telling the stories of innovative, adventurous female entrepreneurs. It's time to put on those boots and keep climbing. That, that's the thing for me about the climbing, about the, con the continuation, keep on its own is such a beautiful word in context because it's it's to possess but it's to possess in the in the kindest way in in the way that is in the way that is good in the way that is heartfelt not to acquire not to not to purchase but to to hold that the tangibility of being able to hold the will to possess the desire to continue moving like that is the entire battle you can subscribe to Women Who Start Up Radio on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. We love to hear your feedback and your stories. Rate us in iTunes and let us know what you think on Twitter at, at WW Startup Radio.